Hi, and welcome to another episode of A Shot Glass of Recovery with your host, Julie. Half of the dynamic duo that brings you the podcast, Two Sober Chicks. I apologize that I always take my bracelets off as I'm talking to you and not before, but I forget until I hear them in my headphones. Okay, I'm so excited to talk about this topic. I hope it comes out the way I've been thinking about it. But let's talk a little bit about hell, shall we? Not in a religious sense per se, but more of a spiritual sense. I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase, religion is for people that don't want to go to hell. Spirituality is for those who have already been there. I want to talk about hell because I was reflecting on the Lord's Prayer. And when at at the meetings up here, I would say more than half say the Lord's Prayer at the end instead of the serenity prayer. And the rest just do the serenity prayer. But one of the meditations I will do, or when a sponsee is struggling, I will tell them to do is breaking down the serenity prayer word for word, like a praying meditation. So it's like, God, I'm thinking about God. What does God mean to me? Who is God? Grant, what does that mean? And breaking it down that way, or even in bigger chunks. Like my sponsor will say, what part of the serenity prayer can you apply to this solution, to this problem? Is it, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change? Is it the courage to change the things I can? Or is it the wisdom to know which one? So I was thinking about thy will be done and how the presence, the lack of presence of God's will is my will. So if thy will be done is God's will in my life and I don't want a higher power involved in my recovery, I don't want a higher power involved in my life, then it's my will be done. And that's hell for me because my will be done or in the program of recovery in AA, how we talk about self will run riot. Uh, That is on page 63, I believe. No, that's bondage of self. So in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, we will often talk about what self will run riot is, which is basically control issues. When we say thy will be done, we're saying, I don't want to control this anymore. Help me to line up my life, my desires, my actions, my behaviors, my thoughts with yours. Please help me is what we're saying. And my will be done is when I'm in hell. My will be done is all about control. And someone who's always in control or needs to be in control is always vigilant. They're always tense. They're always thinking ahead. There's no rest for those of us who have issues with control. So I opened up the wrong book. On page 63, which is chapter five, which is um, how it works in the big book, how we get recovered, there is the step three prayer. And so the step three prayer is as follows. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Therefore, the way to get 
to the point where we allow God's will into our lives, into our hearts, is when the bondage of self is removed. And step three is all about that decision to say, oh God, okay God, you do it. I cannot do this anymore. I can't white knuckle it. I can't hang on with my fingernails digging into the wood. I can't have anxiety attacks. I can't break down like I just can't do it anymore. That's the magic of step three. The whole rest of the program relies on the foundation of one, two, three. One, we have the problem, a problem. Two, higher power is the solution. Three, we let the higher power show us how to solve our problems. And so what immediately falls, follows step three is step four is where we make an inventory. So step three is God, yes, okay, I want to do it your way. And step four is God's way of saying, okay, Let's look at the shit. Let's look at the wreckage and we'll go forward with this kind of trust that we've built together. Even if you want to trust and you're just not there yet, wanting to trust is a lot bigger than not wanting to trust because not wanting to trust and not wanting God's will is also a decision. Decision to do nothing is a decision. So the, the term will occurs over 568 times. Um, over half of them are in the big book. And, you know, there can be just references like there will be no stopping until everyone in that town has had his opportunity to recover. But a lot of it talks about God's will and our will. I often will will reference a website called 164andmore.com, and it'll tell me how many times a word is used and where it is in the 12 and 12 or in the big book. Um, for example, in the 12 and 12, step one, page 22, there was, they said, no such thing as the personal conquest of this compulsion, meaning our addiction, by the unaided will. It also tells us no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. So our will, according to this program, has got to be lined up with a higher power in order to succeed. I also found an article on waysidehouse.net. It's a treatment center, and it talks about this exact thing. It says an alcoholic or addict is an example of self-will run riot in itself. But really, it's the mindset that drives this spiral. The dangers are the disconnect between the mind and reality and what happens when the two are out of sync. So I believe our addiction is the thing that's out of sync. It's perceiving reality wrong. It's running the show. It's telling us things are the a way that they actually aren't. And the reality of our human spirit is we want to live in truth. We want to live in peace. We want to live in love. And that part of us can no longer tolerate what it takes to be an active addiction. And that spirit comes from God. God creates us. So the power that created us is the power that we're drawn towards and often are too afraid to look at or approach. But the truth of that is that part of us that came from God needs to exist with God in order to have peace. I'm going to tell you something. God is the answer. This whole program isn't like, we're going to tell you how to stop drinking. It's like our program exists to introduce you to your higher power. Because once you hold, you hand over the reins, we've done our job and you're good to go. Just keep going, walking in the sunlight of the spirit, as they will say in the big book. I tried to look up self-will run riot worksheets, which were a little kind of all over the place. They weren't really clear. 
What I did love is there was this one, and it was like an archway. And in the big book on page 62, it talks about the keystone. Here, I'll read it. Oh, wait, big book, page 62. Hang on, I'll read it to you. Come on. Okay. Oh, this is so good. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves. And the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. And they're talking about the self-will run riot. We muster it kills us. God makes that possible. And there often seems no way of entirely ridding, getting rid of self without his aid. I'm looking for the cornerstone. Here it is. This is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. This is step one, two, three here. He's the principal. We are his agents. He's the father and we are his children. Most good ideas are simple. And this concept was the keystone which is the stone right in the middle of an arch upon which all the others rest. This concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we passed to freedom. So some of these self-will run riot worksheets, it was actually a drawn out arch with the keystone right in the middle of that arch. If you take that keystone of us playing God, sorry, the keystone is God. God playing God, us allowing God to play God. If you take that out of there, the whole thing crumbles. There is also another um, sort of meme that I saw, and it says self-will and in brackets control. That's what self-will run right is. It's us controlling everything. And it reads, where no guidance is the people, where no guidance is the people fall. But in a multitude of counsel, there is safety. It's like C.S. Lewis once said, the next best thing to being, the next best thing to being wise is to be in a circle of those who are. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. We all know it's a spiritual illness. We all know that in the depths of our addiction, we have no hope and we need hope to survive. Hopelessness is where suicide takes place. Just know that there's always hope. You never know what the miracle is around the corner. I have a friend of mine who, when she gets up, she often gets up to read the promises at meetings. And the first thing she'll say is, hi, I'm Sarah, I'm an alcoholic, and I believe in miracles. And I was at a store the other day, and I saw this little wooden plaque, and it said, miracle believer. So, of course, I had to get it for her. So the next time I see her, I'll give it to her. It says, self-will run riot worksheet. I don't know what that is. Um, belief systems. We have to examine that to know what we're in control of or what we're not. Attempting to dictate pace of the program. Just let go. Let your sponsor lead you. Cl shut off and close-minded to objective input. So all these things are manifested as signs of our control when we bump up against those things. Uh, there was one more thing I wanted to address here. get over yourself. Learning to let go. Once 
you recognize your self-will run riot. Soon enough, you'll be told you need to let go of control. A short sentence that holds a lot of meaning and struggle with it. People shudder at the idea of surrendering to something greater than themselves, thinking that they will lose their identities, their lives, and their desires. That's exactly what I thought I was being asked to do in step three. But what actually happens is something pretty amazing. You find freedom. Freedom from yourself, freedom from constantly trying to create a life that doesn't really exist, or I will add, constantly trying to be a person that you aren't really naturally, and freedom from tension within yourself and those around you. When you don't realize how hard you're trying to control things, it can be challenging to understand why everything is going wrong. Maybe you're fighting with people a lot and getting into arguments, and you can't see why the world isn't on the same page as you. When you let go of control, you realize you were only seeing things from your point of view. When you let go of the self, you give up pressure that adds stress to your life. Others couldn't give you what you wanted because what you wanted isn't a reality, just a manifestation of your internal obsessions. I cannot help to relate this to my new husband. Let me just get back to that after I read this last line. There is an excitement bound with freedom that you will feel when you can learn to let go. Okay, so first of all, I'm going to comment on that second last sentence. Then I'm going to go grab a handout that I have for the clients at treatment centers when I give my 12-step talk, lecture, session, whatever you want to call it. And it talks about letting go and it's genius. Okay, so what you wanted isn't a reality, just a manifestation of your internal obsessions. Before I met my husband, I absolutely knew what my deal breakers were and what he had to look like, be like, sound like. And maybe that's a little bit crazy or maybe that's a little bit specific, but I knew that I wanted this and it looked like this and it felt like this and it sounded like this. And I can tell you, Now that I've met my husband, who is totally fucking different than what I ever would have imagined for myself, came in a package I never thought he would come in, thought I knew my type, thought I knew what I wanted, thought I knew what was most attractive to me, Um, speaks in a way I didn't expect. His faith is very different from mine. We are both Christians, but his is a whole esoteric, ancient... Um, I just, I don't even know how to explain it. Metaphysical. The reason I did not want to meet this man a year ago when my friends in Tennessee were like, you got to meet this dude is because I was like, what? Metaphysical Christian? No, thanks. Um, He's 12 years older than me. I thought I was going to go younger this time. I went 10 years older last time. um, And I thought, I mean, it's just like what came to me is what God meant for me, is what God knew was best for me. And what I thought I wanted was just as this line says, a manifestation of my internal obsessions. I thought I knew what he had to smell like. I thought I knew, I thought I knew everything. He is so off type for me. And that's why I say I could not have picked a better man for me if the decision was up to me. God brought us together and I just went, I mean, I had met the man in person, and within an hour, I said, you are a man to love. He just is, and I'm lucky that I get to love him and that I am so surrendered to God at this point in my life and in my recovery that I heed his voice and I tune into him as much as I can. And when I am in peace, 
I know it's his presence because that's not how I am naturally. So hold on one second. I'm going to go get my letting go handout and I'll be right back. Okay, so that was a fun experiment that bore exactly zero fruit. Uh, So what I did instead was I googled what I thought I remembered from the handout and I found it. So it's called Letting Go, and I don't know who wrote it. Um, Somebody pasted Louise Hay at the bottom, but she totally didn't write it. Um, So I regret to inform you I don't know who wrote it. But if you just type in to let go does not mean or letting go is not, it will pop up. Letting go. To let go does not mean to stop caring. It means I can't do it for someone else. To let go is not to cut myself off. It's the realization I can't control another. To let go is not to enable, but to allow learning from natural consequences. To let go is to admit powerlessness, which means the outcome is not in my hands. To let go is not to try to change or blame another. It is to make the most of myself. To let go is not to care for, but to care about. To let go is not to fix, but to be supportive. To let go is not to judge, but to allow another to be a human being. To let go is not to be in the middle arranging all the outcomes, but to allow others to affect their own destinies. To let go is not to be protective, is to permit another to face reality. To let go is not to deny, but to accept. To let go is not to nag, scold, or argue, but instead to search out my own shortcomings and correct them. To let go is not to adjust everything to my desires, but to take each day as it comes and cherish myself in it. To let go is not to regret the past, but to grow and live for the future. To let go is to fear less and love more. I hope that after hearing this, you will fear less and love more. I love you, and I couldn't love you more. Well, I could, but I might explode. So thank you for being with me, and I'll talk to you soon.